Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. So we're talking about our war, and we know what our warfare is. You know, we were constantly fighting things, right? Whether it's, I got to get my kids to school, I got to do this, I got to do that. And then there's the spiritual battles and the emotional ones, and we're constantly in this struggle we call life, right? Can I get a testimony of that? I mean, we, it's life. It's hard. It's rough. Like, we all get one chance at it, and you've got to figure it out as you go. It's, it's just something we have to grow into. But today, we also know in Ephesians 6, 12, it says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against every rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against the spirits in the heavenly places. I'm not fighting against my neighbor who won't cut their grass. I'm not fighting against the person in the grocery store that took the last ham before Christmas and I really needed it for my family meeting. You know what I'm saying? Like, we get so emotionally tied up in... This person hurt me, and that person hurt me, and oh my goodness, my feelings got hurt. And I mean, I'm a little in the younger generation, but let's suck it up, buttercup. Come on. You know what I'm saying? Like, there are so many more important things out there, and the spiritual side of it is the real thing. The person who makes you mad, you need to be able to see with the eyes of the Spirit past them and say, I'm not really fighting against them. They're the fleshly body I see that's embodying whatever the enemy is trying to attack me with. It's the, the spiritual side behind that that we really have to get to because that is the root of it. That is the real enemy that's trying to fight us. But let's be honest. If you're prepped for warfare, you kind of got to do some steps first. And one of the first is in this verse. Psalm 139, 23 through 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Come on now. Anxious thoughts. Can I get a... I got so much to do. I ain't got enough time. I got to get this done and that done. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path, path of everlasting life. You got to look at yourself and say, okay, where am I at? Am I in right standing? Am I in the place where I can begin to learn? I can begin to begin to build upon my faith because you can't do any good in a battle if you're not prepared. Like, I don't want to go into battle with somebody who doesn't know how to use their equipment. Yes. Yes. That's great if you got the newest, shiniest toy, but if you don't know how to use it, it does you no good. I mean, you see this all the time, like security personnel, or you go to the police force, they're going to train you, right? The fire department, you got to know how to use what you got. Like, I got the basic idea. A fire truck goes down the road, it hooks to the hydrant, water sprays out. But don't ask me to go pull the right lever on the truck or whatever it's supposed to go to make the water do what it's supposed to do because I don't have a clue. I'm not trained in it. If there's a fire at your house, I might have a bucket or a water hose, and it ain't going to help you much. You need to call the people who know what they're doing, right? Same thing for spiritual warfare. You've got to be equipped, and you've got to look at yourself and say, okay, am I in right standing? Do I not have a fence? Am I putting this equipment on right so that I know how to use it? All those different things. So last week, Pastor Rife was talking about watchmen, and this launches perfectly right into the armor of God. And he gave us three points right here of what it means or responsibilities of a watchman. Because we all have to look, right? We all have eyes, but we also need spiritual eyes to be able to see what's coming. 
It says, watch through wisdom and discernment. Wisdom and discernment is a key element to every spiritual battle. It rises and falls on the victory or the failure of whether you are going to be successful. You've got to be watchful. You've got to have wisdom. You've got to have discernment. I know people that know a whole bunch of facts, and they have no wisdom. I know a whole bunch of people that operate in a lot of worldly knowledge and authority, but they have no discernment spiritually how to use things. The second one, warn. Okay? You've got to be able to warn. That's what that shofar back there kind of is. It's a sound of victory, but it was also a a sign of warning, right? They'd blow the trumpets from the watchtowers. Hey, there's guys coming. Everybody get your armaments on. Let's go. We got to be ready. Because it doesn't do any good if the enemy comes to your door and you open and you're like, well, I wasn't prepared for that. You're done for. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't just show up to battle in your skivvies and hope you're going to be successful. It doesn't work that way. So you've got to know that it's coming. You've got to be watchful. You've got to have the warning alert set up so you can be prepared. And then the last one, this is where we're at today, is war. War's coming. If it's not already here in your life, it's coming at some point, and you've got to be prepared for it. You've got to be in the spirit of intercession so you're prepped for war. That's 2 Corinthians 10.4. It says, the weapon of our warfare are not carnal. I don't carry a sword around with me all day. Anybody else got the sword of the spirit with them all the time? You know, they're actually carrying an actual sword around? No, nobody? You can't go to your job with a sword on your, your belt? It'd be a little weird, right? I'm not walking into Walmart with that. Okay, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. God was kind of giving me a glimpse into this in worship earlier, and and I'm really, it's prophetic right here. I'm going to go ahead and say this. I don't normally operate in too much of the prophetic, but I will say God gave me a prophetic word, and he said, your weapons that you see in the physical are only successful because you're equipped in the spiritual. And they are not going to appear what you think they are. Think about it. David in the Bible took down a giant with a slingshot. The walls of Jericho fell because they blew some musical instruments and screamed. What you think you're seeing in the physical is just some ordinary, like, plain Jane thing. God is saying, I can use whatever you have in your life as a weapon to destroy the enemy because you're equipped in the spiritual. That's for somebody. You're thinking you're ill-prepared and you don't have all the funds or the means or something's not right. He's telling you whatever you have in your hand is yes. enough for him to use as long as you equip yourself in the spiritual. Yes. I don't know who that's for, but it's for somebody. So today, our key text, obviously, if you've read the Bible and you know about the armor of God, this is where it's at. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. That's where we're going to be. You can get in your Bibles, find that. Because it talks about all the different pieces that we need. Now, I love the armor of God. Literally, me and Pastor Rife were talking about this week, getting prepped for this, and I'm starting to like kind of tell him some of my stuff, and he's like, dude, I'm getting hyped for this. I'm ready to go. He's like, you sure you want to preach this? You sure I can't preach this? And I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I got this. I got this. Because y'all are going to have to hang on a second, because I'm about to start like word vomiting on y'all. Like, it's going to come out fast, because the last time I preached this, and in this subject matter, it took me three weeks, because I got a lot of information on it. Now, I don't want to just give you facts. I want to give you application. But here's the thing about the word. The word always comes in seed form. And it's your job to take that seed and plant it and help and nurture it grow. I can't give you my armor. I can't give you what I've already learned in full procession of the fruit, right? 
but I can give you the seed from my fruit. And you can say, okay, now how do I put that in my life? How do I apply this in my daily activity? How do I put this in? That's how the word always comes. So it's Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. And it is, it, it just amazes me about the spirit of God and how much he does in our lives. But we're putting on the full armor of God, right? And I know this picture for, for our intents and purposes is cool because we live in Daphne. This is like the Trojan gear, right? Like my, my kid will drive by, we'll see the little statue out in front of the high school and he's like, daddy, there's the, the Trojan. And I'm like, yeah, that's right, son. You're going to go to that school one day. He's like, oh, he looks so cool. I'm like, yeah, he does. It's awesome. Because we, 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 like, we love that, like, masculinity, like, oh, yeah, ooh, ooh, I'm about to win. We're about to knock some heads, you know. I don't know about y'all. I do. You know, I, I don't like to lose. If there's anything I don't like to do, it's lose. I am competitive to all ends. I will beat my children and let them cry because I want to win. You might think that's bad parenting, but it toughens them up, okay? You, you got to learn how to lose just as much as you got to learn how to win, but I love to win. And it got in a lot of problems when I was younger, okay, because my brother is a first child, and my brother loves to change the rules if he's not winning. And I was dumb enough or innocent enough to go along with whatever the changes were, but the problem he had was I would find loopholes in the rules that he was making so that I could win. It might take me a little while, but I would get there. So I'm going to read through this. Y'all can follow along with me. I know it's a good bit of scripture, but it says a final word. So obviously this is important. This is at the end of Ephesians, the very end of this book. A final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor. Stop right there. Circle that, highlight it, underline it, do something. God's armor. Whose armor is this? It's God's. It's not your armor. FYI, okay, you're putting on the armor, but it's God's. It is not your individualistic armor that you keep in your closet and go home and put it on. Yes, there is a way that you apply it into your life, but this is set up on the precipice of the fact of the principles that this is God's armor. He literally wears this exact same armor. If you look in scripture, it says that he puts on the breastplate of righteousness as the commander, the helmet of salvation to lead us into victory. There's so many things that he's like, this is what I do. This is how I retain who I am and how I have victory in everything we do. We just sing a song that he always wins. He's always in victory. It's because he operates in the full armor of God all the time because it's who he is. It's his armor. So keep going. It says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. There's our enemy. The devil. And I know in church we like to picture him as the little pitchfork guy, you know, with the red horns and all that different stuff. But here's the thing. The devil disguises himself. He's the angel of light. He will come in the most beautiful form you've ever seen to tempt you, to get you in the wrong place to make you put your guard down, to take off your armor and think everything's okay. Amen. He's not coming at you all the time, straight on. And I'll get to that. It says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor. How many pieces? Every, every piece. Don't leave any of them out. Don't be like, oh, I got that one, and I got that one, and I got that one, but mm, I don't know if I really want that one. Okay. It don't work like that. You've got to put them all on to be successful. Put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. 
Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news that that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, a lot of people, they stop right there. But there's another verse right there. And this is where I honestly believe there is a seventh part to the armor of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. If you aren't praying, you ain't doing it right. How did we get so far away from a basic principle of Christianity? I mean, the disciples were with Jesus. And what's the thing they asked him? Teach us how to pray. Not how do you do those miracles? How do you do this? But like, Lord, you've got to teach us how to pray. Because something you're doing in your prayer is different than the way we've seen it done, and it's effective. we got to be able to pray. So let's jump right into this, okay? This is the key point for the day. If you take nothing else in your notes, nothing else you take away from this today, here's what you need to know. Spiritual victory or defeat depends on how well you come dressed for battle. Something about a sharp-dressed man. You know what I'm talking about? You got that thing shined up, buffed up. That's where the, literally, I've seen this happen. Okay? I'm young enough to know this. I'll be like, man, that guy is, does not have anything going on, but he can show up sharp dressed, smelling good, and the girls are like, hey. And I'm like, well, don't check his bacon account because he can't take you out to McDonald's. But just something about being dressed well. Now, I wore intentionally, okay, normally I try to wear some clean jeans or something, you know, some nicer clothes, but I intentionally wore some holes in my jeans, some holy pants, because this means that I've been wearing them. I don't buy clothes with holes built into them. Now, if that's your thing, go for it, okay? If you want to pay extra money for less fabric, go ahead, okay? But I'm paying for full fabric because I got a budget. These are all natural holes that I've worn out from working, laying floors, doing whatever. Like there's a hole back here from where I keep my wallet and I sit on it all the time. And I know they say you're not supposed to do that. So you can instruct me later about that and get on to me about how my spine's going to be all misaligned and all that stuff. But I'm praying against that. Okay. But I got holes in these pants. I got things because I, I, I wear them out. Like my keys, my phone. I got one pair of pants that's got an outline on my phone, you know, because that's where my phone always goes. Because it's something I put on every day. It's something that I've worn into. Y'all, y'all seen where I'm going with this? Like, if you're putting on the armor to God, it's comfortable now. You ever have some, like, some comfortable jeans or some comfortable shoes? They ain't got that new, you know, like all the kids, they wear their Nikes now and they're doing this. They're like, I can't, I can't, I can't bend them. I can't do whatever. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about because y'all don't buy $600 pairs of shoes and $1,200 pairs of shoes. They all worried about that look. They ain't worried about what it can actually do. So let's jump in. Okay. 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. We need, to, we need to preface this before we get on to these pieces. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. There he is again. There's our enemy. It's naming him. Like, we got to know who our enemy is, right? We're fighting the devil. We're fighting all his demonic spheres and powers and principalities. Okay? He prowls around like a roaring lion. Now, maybe you've heard this before, but just in case you're, you're newer to the faith and you don't realize this, it does not say the devil is a lion. It says he's like a lion. He is an imitation, a knockoff. He's not really a lion. He's like a little pussycat. But he's trying to imitate. He's got the mask on like, oh, you're going to be scared of me. No, we ain't. I ain't afraid of you. 
because I'm operating in the full armor of God. So he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's looking. That's what lions do, right? What does a lion do? When they attack, they're looking for the weak, the old, the maimed, whoever they think is the weak link in the chain of the herd or whatever they're attacking. And if they can separate you from the rest of the group, that's the best opportunity. You want to know why it's important to come to church and be a part of a body and plugged in? Because when you stand by yourself, you're an easy target. That's a freebie for you. That ain't got nothing to do with the armor of God, but it's a freebie. Okay? Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. Talk about build some uni. Okay, we're going to build some unity. I need you. You need me. We all need each other in this thing we call the Christian life. Life is tough. Christian life is tougher. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, you want, you want to have the enemy come against you? Get saved and start trying to do something for Jesus. Yeah, yeah, he don't like that. Yeah. That's when he's going to start really trying to slap you down and try and devour you. That we're going to get positive here in a minute. I know we're talking negative. So here's the seven pieces of armor that you need. Okay, I told you there's seven because I include prayer. You've got to have them all. And I'm going to give you some really cool, hopefully beneficial information here that's really going to grow your faith. Okay, so the seven pieces, let's start off with that very first one that's mentioned there. It says the belt of truth. The belt of truth, guarding ourselves with God's truth to combat the lies of the enemy. Because what does it say the devil is? He's an accuser of the brethren, right? He's going to accuse you and he's going to lie. Now, does that mean that the devil doesn't tell facts? He'll tell you a fact all day long if he thinks he can keep you defeated. But here's the difference between a fact and the truth. The fact is you go to the doctor and they give you a bad diagnosis. Hey, you got high cholesterol. Hey, your glucose levels are too high. You got diabetes. You know, extreme. You've got cancer. The truth is, my God can heal me. That may happen because I live in a fallen world and I have a a body that eventually will decay and die. It's just a part of life. But the truth is, God's like, I work all things together for the good of those who know me. You know, that's the truth. But the devil doesn't want to let you hear that. He's like, yeah, the fact is, you've got this. The facts are this. And God's saying, yeah, that's a fact, but it's not the truth because the truth is I operate above that. That's the truth. And when we clothe ourselves in that truth, it begins to gird us up and guard us from the lies and the attacks of the enemy. Now, I know we were talking about this Trojan warrior, the Spartan look, but here's the thing. When they were writing this at the time, the historical look for warfare at the time, because the Romans were in charge. If you lived in Israel, the Romans were in charge. You just got to live there because, and practice your religion because they said that you still could. So when they're writing this document, they're looking at a Roman soldier and comparing all the armor. And I think that is extremely intentional that that was written at this time and based on that. Because here's the thing about the belt. The belt helps keep your equipment on, right? Like if you got some swords on there, whatever. But a really cool thing about the Roman belt, okay, Because the Roman soldiers were one of the highest paid people, actually, of the time. The Roman army was a magnificent, amazing thing that could barely be compared to for a long time. But the belt, what they would do is they'd have their sword on there. They'd have their, you know, little scabbard and stuff. And so the higher ranks you got up in the military, here's what they would do. Y'all see those little, like, tassels kind of hanging down? They would begin to fill those with gold ornaments and jewels and anything that they had taken and it showed how many victories they had and how rich they were 
in all their victories. Your truth is a testament to how many victories you've begun to have. You wear that truth around with a badge of honor. And I'm not saying we go around and we're like, yeah, look at me. But all people have to do is like, oh, my goodness. Like, they are operating in so much truth. Like, it's hard for me to look at it. They shiny. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're operating in this, this truth that people just naturally see. We're not pushing our truth upon people. We're not trying to shove it down anybody's throats. We're not trying to do any of that stuff. There's a time and a place for those kind of discussions and different things. But it's just so evident in our lives all the time. Because here's the thing. Truth is the essence of Christianity. Truth is because... Let me back up here. Truth is because we know Jesus. Amen. Now, how do I know that? John... One, it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is full of truth. And if you know Jesus, you're full of truth. You begin to be more and more exposed to the truth. There's a lot of things that I believed for a long time. And the more I've gotten into the Christian faith and the more I've learned, the truth begins to reveal to me. And the more and the more, because there's things that I believed as a baby Christian that I'm like, ooh, I kind of got that one messed up. But the more I've known him, that I've been in relationship with him, that I've known the truth, which is Jesus, it's been revealed to me that, hey, this is the truth of the matter. So we've got to operate in truth, and we've got to keep Jesus as that center truth. So the next one, the breastplate of righteousness. This is always like one of like kids' favorites. My kids love it. Okay, they're like, oh, yeah, got my breastplate on. And this is typical soldier, legionnaire, you know, of the Roman army, what they would have. Now, a centurion who was a higher officer, typically they would wear what was called a lorica segmentata, which was plate armor, which is actually in tiny strips. Okay, and so it would bend when they needed it to and different things like that. A lot more mobile. Okay, it was very great armor, plate mail, you know, that they could, they could take a stab, take a hit, but it moved and protected them as they needed to. This was more for like light footmen and different things like that, not discounting it. Okay, but this is the typical image that we think of when we think breastplate. Like it's two pieces, strap it on, you know, and you're good to go. But the segmentata was a lot more effective. And so most of the soldiers preferred it, but you had to have the money to pay for it. So living a righteous life is what gives us the breastplate. Now, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but I'm not very righteous. Now, what do I mean by that? That's kind of like, oh, well, hold on a second. Pastor's saying he ain't righteous. Anything you see in me that's good, that's him. Anything you see bad, that's just me still operating in my flesh. Something I got to learn from, something I got to pray through, something that I haven't quite gotten right yet. It's all his righteousness. The only thing righteous is him. That's the only way we know righteousness is when we operate in him. That's how we get it. Isaiah 64, 6 says this. It says, all of us have become like one who is unclean and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. You want to know what happens when you try and put on your own righteousness? You're just wearing a rag. You don't have a breastplate on. You don't have any protection. You're literally wearing a rag around if you're trying to be righteous in and of yourself. So you want to know sometimes why your heart gets hurt? You want to know why you feel unprotected? It's because you're trying to stand in your own righteousness. And when you do that, you do not have protection. And we all know this. This is basic science. Like there's two main parts you got to protect. Right here and right here. Either of those get hit, you're done for. 
you got to put on the righteousness and protect your heart because it's the, the stream where everything comes out of, right? It's the blood force. It's the, all, and I'm talking about physical and spiritually here, okay? Your heart physically is your life source and your heart spiritually, okay? The scripture says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You want to speak correctly? you got to get your heart right, and that's becoming righteousness. That's putting all those different things on. You guard your heart. How do you guard your heart, though? Like, how am I going to guard my heart? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta make sure you're standing in right position with God, and you gotta protect all the different avenues that coming in at you, right? Your eyes, your ears, all those different things. There's so many different places that can come in and try and corrupt your heart. Yes. You know the illustration we always use in church is like if you take a trash can and whatever you put in the trash can, eventually it's gonna flow over the top, right? right. You keep filling it because it's out of the abundance of it. Yes. So what you want to put in is what you're gonna get out, just like a computer. I laugh at people when they're like, my computer's acting up. There ain't nothing I ever did. I'm like, mm, either you got malware accidentally or you've been putting some bad stuff on there. Like, those are the only two options. Computer don't know any difference. It don't have a, an opinion. It doesn't have, you know, thought processes. Not yet. I don't know what they're doing with this AI stuff. We'll figure that out later. Okay? That's not for today. But what you put in is what you're going to get out. Same thing with righteousness. So let's move on to the next piece. The gospel shoes of peace. I love the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're awesome. Like, I always encourage you students, they're like, well, I want to read the Bible, and I want to read it through in a year. And I'm like, hey, look, all the Bible is great. Don't start in Genesis, though. And they're like, what? And I'm like, hey, if you want to, go for it. But I'm going to go and tell you. I tried it a lot of times in my youth, and it doesn't work. Like, Genesis, and then by the time I get there, I'm like, what is going on here? Like, there's some dry parts at the beginning. You get into Levitical law and all that other kinds of stuff, and you're like, uh-uh. I'm like, go to the Gospels. Read John. Read something that's going to stir up some passion in your heart so that then you can go back to the stuff that's practical. It's still good for teaching. I mean, there's really great stuff in there. But if you don't have some passion behind it, you're going to get lost in all the weeds. So the Gospel is what gives us peace. Now, I've got some shoes on here. Now, these are my you know fancy church shoes, slip-ons. But they've got this weird kind of back right here. Y'all see that? Can anybody... This is literally the exact same method that the Roman soldiers would wear. They usually wore sandals, but they had leather strappings that were angled for a reason, so they could stand firm. But the Romans took it a step farther, okay? Because they'd have them like this, because here's the thing about the the Romans. The Romans were the most mobile army for over 2,000 years. They literally could move the farthest distance than any other army by foot, because they were extremely mobile, extremely well-trained. Literally, in order to get out of training camp, they had to be able to march at least 30 miles a day. Now, that may not seem like very far because we drive around all the time, but you try walking 30 miles a day for like a month at a time through the weather, through the mud, through the slime, while you're wearing all this equipment. It's going to be wear and tear on you. So they had to make sure they were prepared for it, and so they would put on these shoes that they could easily march in, and when they got into battle, they had this awesome thing. They had snow traction tires on their shoes. They flipped them things over, and they put these nails in them. Okay? So when they get hit, they're standing in formation. You're not going to move me because I'm dug into the dirt. They had cleats. And some of them, they would have up to four-inch spikes on them so they could really dig in. 
Now we're like, okay, hey, that's all cool. That's all wonderful. You know, they're standing firm because we don't want to stand firm. It says resist the devil, stand firm in our faith, right? And a lot of people brush over this. You know, the shoes were a basically like fifth option weapon because here's what you do. You push over the other people and you just, you just stomp on them. They're on the ground already. And what does the Bible says? The devil's under our feet. I'm going to stomp on him with these gospel shoes. We're going to put him under there and he's going to lay down and he's going to take it. I ain't giving him any choice. Too many times we let him stand up and we're like, hey, get back where you're supposed to be, buddy. You want to know why we're so weak so many times? Because we're not putting on the full armor and operating in it in the way that God gave us. He's like, okay, you got it. Are you going to use it? We got to stand firm in the good news. Mm. Some of y'all are hearing this and some of you, I'm not sure. Because I think I'm preaching better than some of you are saying. Here's one of a, a verse, you know, we were talking about truth and some of this has been revealed to me because some of you have, have, have known me for the short amount of time I've been on staff and you don't know like introvert Wesley. Introvert Wesley, like until I was about 12, 14 years old, I was like, you know, sitting in my closet, nerd, isolated, like, you know, don't do anything, don't talk to anybody. I wasn't on any sports teams. I wasn't doing any of that stuff, okay? Like, leave me alone. I'm playing Donkey Kong and Mario. And so I thought for the longest time, when it talked about the gospel of peace, I was just supposed to be peaceful all the time. Don't make any waves. Don't hurt anybody's feelings. I'm just going to go along with what everybody says. You know, I'm just not going to. And here's the thing. That's the way that we've gotten with the world. We can't offend anybody anymore. You t- Oh, I'm sorry. Did, oh, did, sorry. Oh, you don't like the green Skittles? Let me take all those out of your bag for you. Now, you get an allergic reaction or something. I understand. But y'all see what I'm getting? Like, we've got to tiptoe around everybody and their feelings. And we've got to, you know, do all this different stuff. In the gospel of peace, look at this. This was a learning moment for me when I was about 18, 19 years old. It says in Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. It doesn't say peacekeepers. If you're a peacekeeper, you don't make waves. You just want to keep the peace. A peacemaker, there's a big difference, and there's a right way to be a peacemaker. You don't go in there and bull charge and, hey, I'm going to make peace. But I've seen people that operate in this. They can diffuse a situation and bring truth and honesty in the right place, no matter what's going on. And that's what we're supposed to be called to be. God says, go in. And make peace. That we walk into a situation, we diffuse it, we calm it down, we figure it out, we explain all the truth of the situation of what's going on so that the parties or whoever's involved can understand what's happening and bring it to some sort of conclusion where everyone is happy and encouraged and, you know, grows from it. That's what a peacemaker is. That we make peace in everywhere that we go. God is saying, we're going to take the gospel shoes of peace and we're going to go out into the world and bring peace to where places. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Like people that are like, man, I am so hurt. I'm so anxious. I'm so devastated. I'm so this. I'm so that. I need medication for this. I need that. I need whatever it is. I need a, you know, I need a private room where I can go and have my feelings. And, you know, I need a a whatever it is. And, And okay, I'm not knocking anything. If you've been diagnosed with whatever... God gave us minds and reasons and gave us doctors for all those things. But there is a time when it's like, okay, 
Let me pray about this spiritually and see if I can't get some peace over this situation. If I can't get some God victory in it that supersedes man's mentality of what he can do. Man is good. God is better. Yes, yes. I'm so sick and tired of people running to it. And I've got a friend that's a pharmacist, okay? And I'm not trying to knock medicine. I know I'm staying on this point. But he will take a pill for everything. I'll tell him something and he's this, that, and the other. And he knows all the chemical imbalances and all that different stuff. But I'm like, dude, you're a Christian. Have you not prayed about this? And he always, no, man, I forgot to do that. And I'm like, why have you not gone to the source that knows how everything works? At least try him. See if he doesn't come through. Instead, we just want to, you know, this is an easy fix. God is not, a, you know, an easy fix all the time. It's easy to operate in him. But here's the other thing, okay? I told you that the Romans, they, they were most mobile, okay? So you got your spikes on. You can tear down the enemy. You can stand firm. But you also need to be able to move when needed. Know when to back up. Know when to kind of go to the side, go to the left, go to the right, advance. When's the time to charge When's the time to stand firm? You have to be able to be agile of movement. Okay, like the the Dark Age knights, they were not mobile at all. That's why I do not like that people a lot of times use that as an example for the armor of God. Because they couldn't, literally, they would beat each other with swords until they were so tired they would sit down and take a rest, if you look at their battles historically. Because it was just so clunky that they could not even, like, do things operationally. But when you're mobile in the spirit, you can bring peace where it needs to. You can go in and be a peacemaker. You can bring things into situations, and you can be mobile into the areas that need the gospel of peace. Jesus' gospel, the gospel of the Bible, brings peace. It brings joy. It brings happiness. It brings an exceeding abundance of life to situations. So if there's death in a situation, God's saying, okay, take the gospel and move into that area. Because where does light shine the brightest? In the darkness. Why are we so afraid to go into the spheres of places where the enemy is at? Because we either, one, don't believe what the word says, don't have enough authority, don't have enough courage. And God's saying, I have got you. Because here's the thing, regardless of what the odds are, me plus God is a majority. No matter what they are. And I find it funny sometimes because the scripture will be like, hey, go in there and do this. But if you really still don't trust me, take your armor bearer with you. Because God knows they're still men. We still operate in emotion. Like, I still have human eyes that see. I don't see everything spiritual all the time. Because here's the thing. If we saw spiritually 100% all the time, it would freak us out. But God sees those things. So we've got to operate in peace. The next one. The shield of faith. The shield of faith. This is trusting in God's promises and deflecting the fiery arrows of the enemy. Now, one of the original photos we had for this was the, the rounder shield, but really this is more of a, a Roman, actually it would be a little more squared off on the bottoms and the top, for a reason, okay? The Roman shield was called the scutum, 
literally, they would scoot it. They had a giant shield and they would push people out of the way. That's what our faith does. It allows us to form a giant wall of protection in front of our, all of our important parts and begin to just scoot things. I mean, it says that faith allows us to move mountains, right? Yes. Faith as much as a mustard seed. So why do we fall back on things and we're like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. I don't know about that. He's saying if you're operating in faith, you begin to just scoot the situations out of your way. Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is a confidence in what we hope for and an assurance about what we do not see. Your faith, even when you see a situation that doesn't seem like you can win it, your hope and your assurance knows that you will be able to, and that's faith. That you're going to be able to push the enemy back. Or how about this one, Romans 10.17, it says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, maybe some of you have heard this before, and that's okay. So we, we need faith. That's, that's our shield. Like, I need some faith. I need to have a shield. This is important, okay? So how do I get faith? Well, I'll start with a measure of it when we have salvation. But how do I increase that faith? Like, I don't want to go to battle and be like, hey, here's your faith shield. You feel protected? Nope. <laughs> like, I don't need a mustard seed of faith. I want to grow my faith. That's why it says as much as a mustard seed, but be, we know what mustard seeds do. They grow into these giant bush tree things. And that's what he's saying. Your faith begins to build. And we build our faith by hearing. And hearing what? The word of God. The actual Greek here for this hearing part, it says, so faith comes by hearing and 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 hearing. It's, it's like, you know, Three point three 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 three. It just goes on forever. You never stop hearing, and that's how you never stop building your faith. It just begins to increase and increase and increase and increase. Because here's the thing about the Roman shield. A lot of times they would build it out of what we basically call modern day plywood. They would put it layer upon layer, and they would crisscross them and up and down and vertical and horizontal, because it would. Build out, yeah. It would basically make a, an enforcement, okay, and in different angles. So that they could, the only parts of it that were really weak were like the very corners. And so they would usually wrap it with some sort of leather stripping or metal or something, and it would make it extremely light, but extremely reinforced. And here's the other cool thing. They would take that shield and they would lock it together with the person next to them. Does that not talk about the faith of the Christian yes. lifestyle. Hey man, I've got you. Let's lock our faith together yes. and let's yes. push forward into the Amen. enemy. That's yes. good. That's good. Amen. And they would even form these formations called the Tetsudo. Okay, which was literally the walking turtle, okay? They would put it together. They'd have some that would have them over their heads to block from the fiery arts, arrows of the enemy. Scripture, right? So that they could form an impenetrable just like this cube and just hey, we're just going to march over y'all. We're just going to, you know, don't worry about even trying to stop us. Because everybody else didn't know what was going on. They're still trying to fight these old barbarian tactics of the enemy. And they're like, we, we can't stop them. We're just getting pushed back and mowed over. You wonder why the Romans were so successful at conquering the land of the time? Because no one had seen their tactics before and their armor and their abilities. Because they had figured this out. They were strategically planning. If we come into this situation, this is what we do. If this is what happens, this is what we do. 
and we have built our equipment to handle these situations. Why are we not doing that as Christians? Why do we feel so defeated and we're like, I just don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can lead a small group. I don't know if we can, you know, say that anymore. Are we not built and equipped? Did he not give us an entire book of instructions of how to use it? That's what our faith is. So our faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so we begin to build those upon each other, building this giant wall of spiritual faith to where we just push back the enemy. Mm. Here's the other thing about faith. Okay. These shields were designed for a specific reason in a specific way because you can exert more pounds of pressure per square inch in resistance when all of your body weight is into one zone than if somebody who has a smaller buckler or something like that. So when you begin to take your faith and you zone it into this shield, whatever the enemy's trying to push back against you is so much less than what your faith is exerting back out. So that's why we got to have a shield. Your shield links arms with the other people around you in the Christian faith. So I'm encouraging, like, if you don't have other people around you that are building your faith that you're linking with, find someone. It is so vital to the Christian life. How about this one? The helmet of salvation. I mean, this is like step one of Christianity, right? Like, you get saved. Like, This is what defines being a Christian. You get saved. Like, you're not a Christian. Now you're a Christian, right? You've got to say the the thing, and you accept Jesus and all this different stuff, you know. So you get saved. Well, what does that mean? Is that like, congratulations, you're not going to go to the bad place anymore? That's it? You're done? One and done? See you later? Peace out? I got my ticket. Now I can go sin all I want, you know? It's not how it works, right? We know that. So the helmet of salvations. This is a verse I've heard kind of preached different ways, but I want to use it. It's in Philippians 2, 12 to 13. It says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you and will act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Listen to that first part. Continue, continue to work out your salvation. I thought salvation was a one-and-done thing. I thought you get saved and you're all good to go. Why does it say continue? Because you have to stay in obedience. You have to stay in right standing with God. There's a part of that that's righteousness, but it's not one of those like one-and-done kind of things. You're working out this salvation because you're constantly learning more truths. You're constantly being attacked by the enemy with new things, and you've got to say, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. This goes against my Christian faith. This goes against what I've taught. This goes against maybe what Granny taught me, but now I'm reading this in the Bible. Oh, come on, somebody. Yeah. Traditions do not overhill what the Scripture says because there's been some things that I've been taught yeah. by good and meaningful people, and then I go to the Scripture, and I'm like, wait a second. That's not lining up with what I see right here. And I've got to re- resolve that issue somehow. Amen. Either I'm not reading it right or they were wrong. Something. That's why you've got to work out salvation. You've got to make sure you're in right alignment with God because you're protecting your mind, your thoughts. That's where the enemy's trying to attack you. If he can get you to doubt for a little while, you're going to lose your salvation. You're going to take your helmet of salvation off. 
hmm, yeah, I thought I had it, but I, I just don't know if I believe that stuff anymore. Mm. Let me put that to the side. Mm. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your thoughts. We've got to keep the helmet of salvation on. Now, you'll see in that picture, this is a pretty classic, true, true to image Roman helmet. Romans were one of the first few people to start making a design like this. Intentionally, they cut ear holes. Because for the longest time, people were like, I need to protect that. That's a soft spot. But you know what happens when you cover your ears? You can't hear. You can't hear. No, duh. Imagine that. Or you can't hear well, right, if you got this big piece of armor. So commander's trying to shout something, move to the left. And you're going, huh, what? You didn't hear it. We were talking about in rally this morning, being lifelong learners. You cannot be a lifelong learner if you can't hear what someone's trying to tell you. The Roman soldiers were equipped with ear holes so that they could hear their commanding centurion say what they needed to do. Tighten up. Form left, form right, do this movement, do that, go to spears, whatever it may have been. Because they had to constantly be changing, be mobile, be able to do and reflect and repel whatever the enemy was coming at them with. Because here's the thing, the enemy is not just going to attack you in one way. Yeah, he's coming at you for your thoughts and stuff, but he's going, okay, let me try this. That's not working. Let me try this over here. Oh, you, you've, you're firm in that too? Okay, let me go over here and attack your son or your daughter because that's your precious spot and I'll get them off track, and then that'll throw you off track. Let me attack this over here that you held firm and you thought was all good. Like, I don't want to be Job. Y'all know Job in the Bible? He lost everything in like one second flat, because it said, well, one messenger ran in and literally told him the four walls of the celebration house all fell in and all your sons and daughters are dead. Like, literally, the guy didn't finish the sentence it says in the scripture, and the next one runs in and says, you've lost all your riches, all your camels are dead, everything has been filled in, your wells... That's not what I want to have happen. But oh goodness, if it does, will I retain my salvation? Will I listen to the Holy Spirit and say, don't you worry about what the enemy states that are facts? Because yes, you have lost that. And there's a war going on now, but everything is going to be multiplied over in the end of this war. Because Job got it all back two times over. That's what it takes. But if you don't fight through to the end you will settle for defeat and you will lose permanently what you've gained. And that song talk about, I'm going to take back what the enemy's stolen. The enemy tries to take some stuff. He wants to devour it and he wants to keep it from you. But when you begin to fight and you begin to put on these pieces, you begin to take back that ground. Because there was years that I didn't know the Lord. There was years that I doubted certain things. And I grew up in church. I grew up in Pentecostal circles. I grew up in these things of the faith. So woe is me than for someone who was not raised in it and did not know and spent years or decades out of the faith. They got some recovery. Mm. We're about to get some loot back. Amen. <laughs> wow. mm. yeah. So here's the other thing about this helmet. Y'all notice the big old plume on there? It's bright, right? Yeah. Unless you're me and you're colorblind, red, green, and then it's hard to see. Okay? But they, this was intentional too. Because here's the thing. All of the soldiers would be out at battle. They formed their, all their regiments and all the different things and they're doing all the different stuff. And either the emperor or the main commander would sit back and here's how he knew how the battle was going. He would just watch those helmets. And if they began to turn or there wasn't some over here, 
he would reassign. Right flank has fallen some. Move soldiers over there. Left flank is speeding up their movement. We need to engage more in the center so we can keep up with them. Because here's the thing. Sometimes you'll see some people get some victories quicker than you will. You want to talk about what, what's hurtful sometimes in the spirit? There's been things that I have waged war for for months or years, and I've literally had someone come up to me and say, hey, man, I need prayer for this. I've prayed for them on the spot, and boom, it's done in their life. And I'm going, come on, are you kidding me? I pray for them once? And that's when God's saying, nope, you're right where you need to be. The victory is coming for you. Don't worry about them that are gaining victory because they're going to come around and they're going to help you. Sometimes we got to be encouraged in other people's victories to see our own. That's what it is. We're all on this big team together. It's not me versus you. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We got one enemy. There he is. Let's take him. Y'all see what I'm going at? Stop bickering amongst ourselves. Stop fighting against other churches. Come on. I don't care what denomination you are. We're all a part of the big church. And I want as many souls as we can get, and I want as many people in heaven. I want him to you know, have to almost recant what he said. I know that he can't do that because he's truth and he tells no lies. But be like, man, we got to build a bigger heaven or something. We got so many people up in here. I, I know that's you know, borderline false there teaching, but that's what I want. I want him to be like, man. Talk about some people who are on fire for me that they are just wrecking the enemy, taking back souls for the kingdom. Amen. So that's what the helmet is. It helps gird our thoughts, helps direct, and it helps let the commander, the Lord, know exactly where we're at in our battle, know where we're going. Because you got that salvation on. He's like, hey, there's one of my Christians. Let's see what they're doing over there. All right, yep. Hey, go send them a message. They need to do this. Go send them over here that they need to this and that and the other. It's protecting our thoughts and letting us hear and know exactly what God's saying. And that's part of that wisdom and discernment, right? You've got to be able to hear the Holy Spirit. Amen. I don't think ever in my life I've heard the audible voice of God. Wesley, you need to do this. It doesn't happen like that, but I do hear him. I know exactly what he's saying at times because I operate in the salvation that he's given me. This one, this is always like everybody's favorite. Got the sword of the spirit. Ooh. You know? It's a great piece. It's awesome, right? I mean, like, I love swords. I don't carry one around with me all the time and be a little weird. You know? Some people, they might like to do that. But this is a sword. Everybody, everybody recognize this is a sword? Okay, I'm not telling a lie. Okay, making sure we're good. A little rusted, but this is literally... What have, basically would have looked like at the time. This is a Roman gladius. Usually about 33 inches long. Now most people, here's what they do. They picture the sword and they're like, yeah, we need to cut the enemy down. Now was this ever used like that? Yes, it was sometimes, rarely. Here was the primary use of the gladius. Lock your faith together. Stick your sword through the little bitty slit. Guess what? You can't get to me, but I can stab you. Over and over and over and over repeatedly. They said that they could thrust three to five times faster than they could slash when they were properly trained. Cause as much damage as fast as possible. Now, that might be like, okay, you're getting off on a weird tangent here. That's kind of weird. But that's the way that we're supposed to use the sword of the spirit. 
okay, utilizing the Word of God. So we've got the Word of God. We read the Scriptures. Okay, now what do I do with that? You begin to thrust it. You begin to just jab it at the enemy. And here's what I've, I've learned, okay? I'll give you all some more information that I've learned in my own personal walk, okay? It says in Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the Word is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates, even dividing soul and spirit. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. So what does the sword do? It divides sword and spirit. It's going right after the spiritual things. And you want to know what those two edges are? So there's two edges, right? What are these two edges? It's going to cut, right? Like you want to cut going in, you want to cut pulling out, you want to make sure that I can hurt the enemy. I want to take care of him. You receive the word, that's the first edge. You're taking it in. The second part of that edge is when you're putting it back out. And the only way that works is with proper training. When you take the word in, you can hear the word all day long. I can read the Bible and get nothing from it. Have you ever read the Bible and be like, I got to read my three chapters, so I got to stay on schedule. And you read it and you're like, I didn't get anything. Am I the only one that's not holy and sanctified that does that? Okay, I was just making sure, you know, maybe y'all are all more saved than I am or something, more holy. But you can read the word literally and be like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know what they said. I'm not sure. That doesn't apply to me. So here's what I tell young people. I'm not worried about how much scripture you're reading every day. If you want to have a yearly Bible plan, go for it. But read until literally Holy Spirit says, that's for you right there. Something that's active. And you may not even know what it is for right in that moment. There have been times that I'm like, whoa, why did that just come off the page at me? Stop right there. Pray on it, meditate on it, find other cross-references in the scripture about it so that you have a weapon of the sword when you need it. Because then the enemy, a week, a month, a year down the road, is going to come at you with an attack, and you're like, whoa, 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 uh uh-uh. I know the word about that. I've got a sword that can take that down. So when you, you take it in, you pray on it, you meditate it, you get it in your spirit, it's all inside you. And then you put it back out there. Let me think about it this way. So, seven sons of Sceva. They're coming and they're like, hey, we're going to cast demons out. We're going to do it in the name of Jesus and Paul and Peter. And what does the demon do? He looks at him and he says, I know who those people are. I don't have a clue who you are. And he beats them naked. That's what happens when you just try and say the word without any spirit behind it because you don't understand it and you haven't applied it to your life. You're just repeating words that don't have any power behind them. Because if all it took was the word of God to change someone's life, we would just fly over all the countries that don't know people and drop Bibles on their head and be like, they're all saved. We're all good to go because the word of God was spread. Yeah, it doesn't return void, but only when it's applied. It's got to be activated in your life. Same thing is true with the sword. You've got to activate in your life, actively use the sword to take the enemy down. You can have a sword on your belt all day and be like, yeah, ain't that cool? Okay, you got a sword. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? Yeah, it's a 1999 antique edition. It's really good. Does this and that. Okay, do you know how to use it? Nope. It's doing you no good. Your sword is not effective unless it's active. And there's a time to be active with it, right? But you've got to be trained in it so that you know when and how to use it effectively. I'll give you all kind of sidebar here because I think this is important. So the Romans, every good Roman soldier carried one of these. Not a named part of the scriptural 
armament, but this was everyday carry. I got some guys in my realms that I walk in in circles that they everyday carry. If you know what I mean, then you know what I mean. We live in the South. Okay, we're not Texas, but we're close to it. Okay, we can good old boys. They always got their concealed on them. This was basically Roman soldier concealed. Even if they were off-duty, they would keep this on them. They're the tiny scabbard, which they called their pugio. Okay? Because they knew they needed to be prepared at any moment to resolve an issue. Because they were equipped and they were trained to take down things that other people were not. So even if they were in the marketplace, they would have this on them. Even if they were out of uniform, they would have this on them. Because they were prepared no matter what came against them. Why are we not constantly having some word in us kept close to us? Yeah, we got to be watching. We got to be ready. We got to be vigilant. But sometimes there's some sneak attacks. Come on now. They, like, I don't like a sneak attack. I love to scare people. Okay, My mom will tell you, I used to hide under the bed and grab their legs you know, when they came in the room and freak them out. But I don't like to be scared. Okay, I remember I was literally, woke up in the middle of the night when I was about 14. Walked down the hall upstairs, and the bathroom was like in the middle of these other two rooms. Go in the bathroom, do my business, whatever, going back to sleep. I'm walking down the hallway to my room where I had left the light on. I turn around to flip the light off, and my brother had heard me get up, crawled down the floor, and I turned around to flip the light off, and he goes, Rah! Man, I freaked out, screamed like a little girl, fell over, flipped the lights off. I'm in the fetal position crying. I was not prepared for it. You got to be vigilant. You got to be ready. You got to be prepared. Because there's some sneak attacks that will try and come in. Mm. And you got to be ready to cut it. Cut the enemy down in his tracks. The last one here, okay, it talks about in that scripture is prayer. We're supposed to pray. Every Roman soldier was trained to use one of these. This was their spear of the time. It's called a Roman pilum. Now, it looks kind of funky. When I first started seeing these, I was like, I don't really know how that's supposed to work effectively. Like, it's not a Spartan spear. It's not a solid, you know, metal shaft. It doesn't really operate in the way I think it should. Like, I should take this and throw this, you know. My brother, when we were talking about this, joking around, he's like, you should just throw it into the crowd, and, you know. Because you look at this, and you're like, it's probably not effective. But if this whole room was full, it wouldn't take me very much practice to try and hit somebody, right? Like, I could just throw it into the crowd, and I'd probably hit somebody. So imagine that in warfare. But every single Roman soldier on the line has one of these. So they've built a shield wall. Every guy's got one of these, and they're just... Because there was guys in the back, this was their job. They'd have a big bucket of them, and they'd just pass them forward. That's prayer. You were jacking the enemy up before they ever even get to your sword or your faith or your breastplate or your need your shoes or any of that stuff. That's prayer in the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is going forth before you and taking care of some of the stuff. Sometimes he takes care of all of it. It says in the Old Testament that they would pray sometimes and the Holy Spirit would just settle in like a fog, cause confusion amongst the enemy, and they'd get up the next day and they'd go in and the whole camp would be deserted and they'd just take all the treasure. Like there's a time and a place for that where the Holy Spirit would just go in and just take care of everything for you. Like wouldn't that be awesome? I'd love to just show up to the bank and like, hey, uh, 
we don't really know what went on, but like a um, bunch of accounts just poured a bunch of money into yours, and now you're a multimillionaire. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, go home. Be like, hey, uh, this person, you know, they were really feeling um, remorseful because they've been living a sinful life. And so they wrote you this letter, and, you know, hey, Pastor Wesley, God told me to do this. And so here's uh, 150 acres of land you can go hunt on. Now, I'm saying that's always got to be stuff like that, but that'd be some awesome blessings right there. You know, I think that we're, you know, called by God blessed because we're Christians. So this Pelham, they would throw it. Now, here's the design about this. On the very end, they had a pyramid tip. And so it would go in and it would puncture. Some of them actually would have a weight that would slide so that as they threw it, it would change the weight effectiveness and different things. Um, and so it would be able to go through the shield, and this was bigger than this, so that all of this would go through the shield. They could pierce the shield, sometimes penetrate the enemy, and if they didn't, you know what this does? This would be made out of a weaker metal, and it would begin to bend and flex and stay into the shield to where their shield would become so cumbersome that they had to just discard it. Now picture this for your life. You've been fighting something, and it's like you keep coming against it and coming against it, and you're just running into a wall. You're running into that shield that the enemy's put up. So Holy Spirit throws itself into the situation, and the enemy goes, I can't use this anymore, discards it, and they've become weaker. No longer is that wall viable anymore. There's broken pieces in the enemy's camp. That's what the enemy, the Scripture says that he will divide our enemies. That what they try and use as traps will be reaped back upon their heads and they'll fall into their own pit traps. Because the Holy Spirit begins to do a move and an action that we don't even have to do anything but pray in the Spirit and He takes care of the situation. That's why prayer is such an essential part of the armor. Because it's like, hey, I'm fully dressed, I'm ready to go, but the, the Holy Spirit is going to go forth before me and He's going to guard my rear. Because not only would they use these, a lot of times the Romans, the Romans had some stuff that Nobody else had. They would build trebuchets, ballistas, catapults. They'd fire these giant oil tanks that would just explode on the trees and cast fire down on everybody. Sound like the Holy Spirit? Hmm, oil, fire. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. There was so much disarray in the enemy camps before the front line people ever got there that they, they would have overwhelming odds. Literally, they were, they, you can read historically, they would fight against the, the barbaric tribes of Germany and they'd be Ten to 20,000 barbarians. They never were going to get an exact count because they would hide in the woods. And they would start this process, and they would only be about two to 3,000 Romans, and they would win the battle. How about that song we were singing? There's a verse or a bridge to it. You know, I'm not musically inclined on some of those things. You know, it says that, you know, I look like I'm defeated, and I look like I'm surrounded. But that's not true because... The host of the angel armies is with us. That's what the Holy Spirit does, that he goes before us. In Isaiah 52, 12, it says, For the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel will be your rear guard. You want to know the people that get defeated in, in Christianity? I can tell you. It's the ones that lose some of these pieces or the ones who are not actively engaged in warfare when it's time for war. They go to the back, and they're like, All right, y'all take care of it. And the enemy goes... We'll just flank around and we'll take him out. Yeah. When it's time for war, it's time for war. Yeah. Yeah. Look at King David. It says when it was a time for the kings to go to war, King David decided to stay home. And what happened to him? 
He got bored. He went up and he looks at Bathsheba. Mm, there's a fine girl taking a bath. Call her on over here. He commits adultery, commits murder, curses his family because of it. Bishop Isaiah Kadiri was telling you all of this just a couple weeks ago. Literally curses his bloodline to where there's all kinds of adultery, uh, incest, murder. I mean, his family line gets messed up for a while, all because of an action he did when it was time for war. It was a time to act, and he decided to pull back and just try and let me just be peaceful. Told y'all, it ain't about being a peacekeeper. Sometimes you got to be a peacemaker. Scripture tells us we got to pray without ceasing. Now, that one confused me for a long time. You ever read something and you're like, well, how am I supposed to do that? Like, I got things to do. I can't just be praying all the time. No, no one else has read the scriptures and been like, I don't know how you're supposed to do that. Yeah. It's just constant communication with God. Yeah. Smith Wigglesworth, or maybe it was A.W. Tozer, someone can correct me later if they want to Google it, said that I never pray more than 30 minutes, and I never go more than 30 minutes without praying. I want to be in constant communication with God to where it's not like, hey, I, I got some select time and that's all you get. But I want to be in this communication where it's always like, let me remember you and keep you in the situation. Let me constantly keep you in the foreground of what I'm doing. So say this with me. Spiritual victory or defeat depends on how well we come dressed for the battle. Now say it one more time like you mean it. Spiritual victory or defeat depends on how well we come dressed for the battle. You got to be dressed. If you're not putting it all on, you're going to be in defeat. Absolutely. There's no questions asked about that. If you don't put it all on, you're going to be defeated. But when you get victory, it's from putting it all on. You're praying in the spirit. You got all these different pieces. You've put them on. You're like, it's go time. Like, I love playing Ultimate Frisbee. Now, I've gotten a little older and fatter and slower. But when it's go time in Ultimate Frisbee, I will slam the biggest dude down on the other team to get that Frisbee and score. If you don't know what that is, it's basically football and soccer mixed together, okay? Now, it's supposed to be a no-contact sport, but don't tell guys who are playing that because I'm competitive and I'm going to win. I don't care if you're 400 pounds and six foot eight. I'm going to win. People, will, I'm, I'm telling you, I have a theory and a rule I live by when I play sports. If I'm not bleeding or hurt when I get done, I didn't really play. I am 187% all the time wide open when I play a sport. I will go until I pass out, and I have before. Maybe that's not a good thing to do, but that's the way I live it, and I am the same way when it comes to spiritual things. You bring your son or your daughter to youth group, and I say this all the time, I will fiercely protect your student. I've gone to a youth camp before, and there's been a boy that's been pestering one of our girls, and I came up to her, I said, hey, come here. Listen here, buddy. If you don't leave her alone, her dad's giving me permission to bury your body after I kill you, and he will help me cover it up and give me an alimony. <laughs> and he said, you serious? I said, I am for serious. Leave her alone if I see you again. This is a Christian camp, okay? I'm the youth pastor. Okay? I don't play about it. Don't come, because the enemy will come into that youth camp just as easily as any other place. That's a daughter of God. You're not going to take her off somewhere in the darkness and try and, not on my watch. I'm a watchman, and I'm a soldier in the army of God. I will fiercely protect the unity of this house. Okay? I believe in all those things. So here's, here's how we activate and apply. 
Okay? We want to give you practical things to do. Like, say, I'm giving you the word. It's in seed form. And if we have someone who wants to come up and play music, I'm coming in for a landing, hot and ready. Okay? I don't do stretched out at the end. First one, examine yourselves. Put this at the beginning, and I'm putting it right here at the end. You've got to look at yourself. Okay? Are you fighting with the full armor of God? Because there's been times in my life I'm thinking, man, I've got it, I got it, I got it. And I look around and I'm like, no, I don't. I'm not operating in this piece or that piece. I'm trying to do warfare in the spiritual and I've realized that I've neglected a piece of my armor and I'm wondering why I'm falling short. This applies to any Christian. I don't care what level of authority you have or how spiritual you think you are. We all have to do a self-check and say, am I equipped for the battle ahead? Because the best thing to do is know you got it all good and polished. When my brother was in the Marines, he would, you know, they have their dress blues and all this different stuff, and he's like, you better have that stuff ready because when it's time to put it on, don't be waiting until the last minute needing to polish all your medals and all this stuff because they will strike you down in a hurry if you ain't got something right. It's all about being prepared. Examine yourselves. Do a self-check. Check in the spirit. Ask for some feedback from a believer you trust. I'm all about get rid of the speck in your eye before you look at the two-by-four in someone else's that the scripture talks about. But I'm also all about, come here, what do you see in my life? Is there something I'm not right in? Am I holding some offense? Do I have some anger? Do I have something that you see that I don't see because I don't have the right perspective? And if somebody says something, here's what I do. I pray in the spirit about it and I go get another person's opinion too. Because I want multiple witnesses to this, not just somebody who may be disgruntled or may see something that's not necessarily true. We've got to examine ourselves. Second thing, do some spiritual equipping. You've looked, you've figured out what the problem is, okay? I told you all this. It's not enough just to know. You've got to apply it. Figure out what you're missing and start to equip it and begin to test yourself in it. Now, that does not mean, okay, let, let me clarify this because I've had some people get misconstrued and, and, you know, wrong ideas, okay? If you struggle with a certain issue, don't expect to overnight magically, you know, you pray about it and you're going to be able to just resist it, okay? If you struggle with pornography, that's an easy one. That's always the target every pastor goes for. Don't go down and be like, yeah, I can uh, sit in front of whatever and it's not going to bother me. Because there's another scripture that says flee. Okay? That's where you need brothers and sisters in Christ to say, hey man, I got you. I'm going to keep you accountable. I'm going to build their faith together until you gain the victory over this particular situation. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's whatever. Maybe it's resistance. Maybe it's pride, okay? My wife likes to tell me that I got pride sometimes. Any other husbands? No, just me, okay? She's like, you always just think you're right. I'm like, it's because I am. Just kidding. I'm not always right. I Google it first. But we got to equip ourselves, We've got to make sure, okay, this is what I'm missing. This is what I need. This is the part. This is what such and such said that I'm missing in my Christian life. And we begin to equip that. We begin to put it on, and then we begin to test ourselves in it. We begin to get battle tested. And here's the thing. God is awesome about doing this. He will not put you in a place beyond what you can handle. That's why the Holy Spirit goes before you. 
He, implies the whole, he expresses the Holy Spirit in a way to limit the enemy down to a place to where you and your armor can handle that situation. God's beautiful in the way he works. He takes care of us in so many ways. And the last thing, submit and align with the authority of a spiritual mentor. Submit is not an easy word that we like in Western civilization in the United States of America. I have my rights. I'm my own man. I'm 35 and I'm a full-grown man. I can do what I want, you know? Like last night, I'm eating some ice cream at 11 o'clock at night. Rowan gets up and he's like, what are you eating? I want some. And I'm like, no. Well, why not? I say, because you're a child. Well, that's not fair. I don't want to be a child. I said, well, it doesn't matter. You are a child. Some of us are still children in the faith. I mean, let's just be honest about it. To some extent, you know, we're all on this scale of moving towards maturity and growing. It's all a race. And until we die, we'll never be perfected. So you've got to submit. Who is it that you know that's like, that person has got some spirituality things that I don't know yet. And I need to submit myself to them and align with their authority so they can teach me. I can learn from them. Because that's what's going to help you grow. Yes, you submit to the Holy Spirit, but people will help you grow. People that have experienced more than you. Pastor Rife has talked about this. There are so many people I know that they've got this giant faith that I'm like, man, I want that. And then I see some other people over here and they've got their, I'm, I'm a Christian and I got this. And it's like, I can help them as I learn through this person. As I align myself with that authority because if you don't know how to submit to authority, you will never have any authority. The centurion said it best. He said, Jesus, no, 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 you don't have to come. All you have to do is speak the word. Because I am under authority and I have authority. And I know the authority you have. So just speak it and it will be done. Come on, we got to operate in the authority of a believer. That when we submit ourselves, that it teaches us so much. Because not all of us are the commanders. Not all of us are the lieutenants or the marshals and the majors. Some of us are just foot soldiers. Some of us just have to know what to do in the time we need to do it, and they just need to listen to my, the commands. For the longest time, I was just a follower. I've been in a lot of different things in the church. Most of you don't know my walk in the Christian faith. There's been times where literally I have worked a secular job, been on a volunteer basis at a church, knowing that I could have a job that would make more money, but because I needed to be in submission in the right place of the heart of where I needed to be, that's where I was supposed to be. My mom, she told me, she's like, for a long time, I wondered why you didn't. Because I know the pedigree and the education and the things that you have, that you didn't take this or that or this job or whatever it was. Because I've had people come to me and offer me different things. And I said, no, I won't work on Wednesday nights. I won't work on Sunday mornings. These are the times I'm available. And if your schedule doesn't fit mine, it's not a job for me. I had to listen and submit myself to the Holy Spirit and to the authority of the people that I was under. Because sometimes, here's, here's the thing. And this is teaching me right now in this moment. Sometimes to become a king, you got to pick up the sheep poop. <laughs> king David did not start as a king. He started at the lowest of the lows where no one else wanted to be, bringing cheese to his brother's. And the opportunity arose, and he said, I don't know what y'all are doing, and why y'all are letting that man right there talk about 
the people of God. God's telling me I'm going to take him down. So today in closing, where are you at in these three places? Have you examined yourself? Do you need to do some spiritual equipping? Or do you just need to find yourself an authority and mentor yourself? Or maybe you've got all these checked off and you just need to continue the race of the run of faith in the armor of God. Because here's the thing. We've known this and we've heard it preached in this house. Warfare is coming. If it's not already here. And I really think it's here for most of us because we've seen some things recently that have been warfare. It's time for us to gather together and we're going to begin to see the explosion from our warfare. But we're going to begin to take back what the enemy's tried to take in from this church, whether that was from COVID, whether that was from family issues. I'm praying for family members that I have that have not come back to the faith or, or even ever accepted the faith. And I know it's going to happen because the Lord's not going to forsake the righteous. The, right, the prayers of a righteous man availeth much.